0: On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had John Maris, the CEO of Solo Brands, on the podcast. These guys um, started out, John started in 2018 with six employees. They're going to be close to 600 between all the brands this year, incredible growth, uh, they've gone public. We really got to some really key, if, and you guys know if you've been listening to this for a while, I'm obsessed with principles, right? And we got to some really key principle advice you guys are not going to want to miss. Uh, this will be one that you'll probably want to listen to a couple times. If you are a mid seven figure brand and above, listen up. Are you struggling with ads this year? Uh, how about growth in general? What about profitability? supply chain issues got you down. You are not alone. As a brand owner myself, I totally get this. iOS 14 has ravaged many smaller brands. The good news, our clients at Upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched. Don't get me wrong. We had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world but we learned some incredible lessons along the way and we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com slash grow. Now on to today's episode. Someone on my team thought I either had superpowers or woke up at 5am to crunch client numbers. Turns out I just used Triple Whale. Yeah, that's what one of their customers said and he may be onto something. No one has to know the secret weapon to your success is Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform built to accurately pinpoint your ad spend across networks, making you look like the smartest person in the room. Their robust app helps you clarify your campaign's performance so you can run smarter, faster, more effective ad spends in real time and reap the rewards. Are you a genius? Only one way to find out. Guys, want to take Triple Whale for a spin? Stop by triplewhale.com slash upgrowth and use promo code UPGROWTH for 15% off. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today, I am joined by John Maris from Solo Brands. John, I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite a while. Again, the best episodes. It's like, you know, the person and I just start talking and talking and then I'm like, oh man, we just got to press record. Why don't we just press record and and let's actually get this this out to people. So John, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand.
1: Yeah, we already actually finished the first episode and now we've hit record and we're on to episode number two. So
0: yeah, good to be with you. Thanks for (laughs) for having me. Absolutely. Uh, So for people who don't know anything about you or the solo group, solo brands, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yep. So I'm the CEO of Solo Brands, formerly the CEO of Solo
1: Stove, which is the foundational brand inside of our platform. A lot of people are familiar with, obviously, a fast growing and scaling e-commerce brand. We'll talk a little bit about that, I'm sure, as we get going. Uh, In 2021, Solo Stove started on an acquisition uh, exercise. We ended up acquiring three additional brands. We now own Oru Kayak. Aisle, which is a paddleboard and surfboard business. And then we acquired in September uh, Chubby's Shorts, uh, the men's active lifestyle apparel business. So Solo Brands is now comprised of four companies, all e-commerce,
0: digitally native brands, Solo Stove, Oro Kayak, Aisle, and Chubby's. I did not know you guys acquired (laughs) Chubby's. Great research, Jordan. Awesome research. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm full of surprises today. I, I'm looking at your face right now and I just love it. I love the jaws on the ground. Let's do this. <laughs> I was like, you guys bought chubbies? I didn't even know about that. Uh, okay. Well, that's great. Let's talk through some of your growth. You know, b- before we started recording this, you know, you talked about coming in, they hired you at six employees. Were you considered a CEO at that point? With six employees? Did they hire you with that title? Yeah, I was hired as the
1: CEO. The founders, you know, had had built an incredible business and, uh, and they were looking looking for a leader to come in to help really build out a team and help this business kind of reach its potential. And, and they knew that it needed people to do that. And so, you know, at that stage, I, I became kind of the candidate that they that they entrusted to do that. And we started building out different functions inside the company. Uh, after six to eight months, the the founders kind of rolled out of operational Roles in the business, role to board positions, uh, and then we've been off to the races. Uh, you know, as kind of an independent management team
0: since then. So, 2018 till now, you now have 600 employees. Kind of targeting 600 by the end of the year. So, not quite there okay. yet. Okay. But- yeah, bit of a different scale. I'd actually love to, to to get into a little bit of this here because I think that a lot of the people who are listening to this are probably similar to me, where you know they branched into multiple brands or at least thinking about that. How do you guys run this group? Are there CEOs for every one of the companies? What does that look like, John?
1: Yeah, each of the brands has a president. Okay, and so they're very independently operated and uh, they do a fantastic job you've heard a lot of stuff in the news with the thrasios of the world and things like that where you're hearing a lot of aggregating happening or roll-up strategies happening this is very different from that. Um, it's actually, it's actually important to, to point out for me, because for us, roll up kind of has a negative connotation internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, roll up almost suggests that corporate is like driving what's happening outward. And this is exactly the reverse of that. The brands are awesome. They're really good mm-hmm. at growing and scaling their businesses. They have direct connections with their customers. They're responding to their needs and innovating new products, driving their brands. And they, they then are able to look to corporate for support where we become servant leaders to kind of help them with whatever it is that they have going on that that the platform as a whole uh, can solve so our goal our thesis around our model is to take brands that come into the platform and whatever they feel like they're going to do from a growth standpoint over the next five years is accelerate it and help them do it in two and a half and to Mm. make them five to eight points more profitable in terms of EBITDA that's what we're after but it is driven really in large part by the brand presidents at each of the brands who are phenomenal operators and and are
0: still running their businesses. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks for bringing me into that structure. When when you were talking about servant leadership, that really hit me. I was like, oh man, that is like, that's the kind of leader that I really strive to be for our brands that we have as well. And that's that's super cool. I love that reverse engineer because it's true. The roll up sort of idea for some reason as well, for me, it just gives me that kind of like icky sort of feeling of like, oh, we're not trying to take advantage of anyone by rolling up. Right. Well, so I really, I, think- get, I really get, really get that.
1: I think too, like one of the the things I was super sensitive to when we started making acquisitions is I didn't want the leadership team at Central Corporate to feel like it was their job to go down into the brands and like tell them what to do and boss them around Mm. for two reasons. One, because I didn't want the brands to feel like it was corporate's job to go and deliver, right? To go get the job done and, and get the results. It's the brand's responsibility to do that. And two, because I didn't want Central employees to feel like they were anything other than a support function for the brands. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we've really created or at least strive to create a structure where our brand presidents are coming to central and saying, man, this is a huge opportunity for us. We don't have the staff or the know-how or the capability or the scale to do it on our own. What can corporate bring to bear to help us do that? And then we go Mm. and just attack and deliver whatever it is, whether it's a bottom line efficiency to drive profitability or an
0: accelerated rollout so that they can drive faster growth. Oh, that's super, super cool. I had um, Ryan Dice on the podcast recently from the digital marketer group. Scalable is their company. I think they've got somewhere in the realm of around 20 brands. And so it was interesting hearing your perspective. They have a very, very similar setup to what you're talking about. Instead, they call them brand managers instead of presidents, but that's essentially it. And then they all answer to Ryan as the group CEO. And I find that really interesting, especially in the, I can think, I'll bet you there's about a hundred people listening to this right now that are in this same sort of position, really trying to figure out what of that structure makes sense. How much do I give to the the brands that are over there, right? And how much should I, um, as the sort of corporate leader, dive in there to help?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, my philosophy is to stay out of the way until they ask. And I've tried to structure it in such a way. I I, I really am not a micromanager. I don't meddle. If I'm not hearing from them, it's because things are going well. And uh, we just, we try to foster a culture where, where you're not afraid to come and ask for help. You're not afraid to say something's not going right, or, you know, I'm not feeling good about something instead, you know, that's when you're speaking up. That's when you're going and looking for help. And, it's hard. I mean, it, it is super hard. Yeah. Our human nature is to hide the bad and elevate and, and, and show the good. We try to flip that on its head and, and not to say that we, we don't celebrate the, the wins, but what we do try to do is extract you know the challenges and, and get them out in the open so we can go and solve them.
0: Yeah. Awesome, John. Love that. Let's talk about the growth. So six to potentially 600 employees this year. That's a lot of growth. Talk to me, what can you attribute that to? What were some of the big levers that you guys pulled along the way?
1: I wish I could narrow it down and tell you kind of, you know, a couple of things that were done, uh, and it might be helpful too to kind of help, you know, everybody understand kind of the scale of the business itself. Independent of acquisitions, the Solo Stove brand, you know, has gone from, you know, finishing 2018 at about 16 million of revenue, finishing 19 at about 39 to 40 million of revenue finishing 2020 at 133 million of revenue and then finishing 21 at 360 million of revenue all while still driving over 84 percent of our business on our own website so wow. you know wow. this has been um, you know a pretty wild wild growth ride. I don't know. I have not spoken to another direct-to-consumer brand that's driving that percent of their business on their own site that's scaled to that level
0: of revenue. And John, I've interviewed about 300 uh, founders now and brands, and I have not either. So you're (laughs) <laughs> I don't know anybody who's who's really driven that level. I had uh, movement watches on at one point, and they had sort of gotten into that nine figure range. Yeah, but never beyond, uh, or at least yeah. at that point, not beyond that.
1: Yeah, it's a great brand. You know, it has been all hands on deck. Our team is is incredible. I mean you know, remember, you know, we were single digit employee count, you know, in the fall of 2018, obviously scaled significantly since then, but we've brought in house most of our execution from, you know, marketing execution, warehousing and fulfillment, supply chain, you know, some of our brands now that we've acquired doing their own manufacturing, you know, and all the functions in between customer service. It's been a a full court press on all areas of the business. If I had to single out a factor or a reason to our growth, what we've done ex- exceptionally well, that's driven the most impact, it would be really focusing on the customer, on mm. the customer experience. We have been relentlessly focused on taking exceptional care of our customers, just truly doing right by our customers. And let me tell you, the golden rule is do unto others as you would want done done to you. The platinum rule is do unto others how they want you to do unto them.
0: This month's sponsor is Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform clarifies your ad performance across marketing channels, keeping you instantly in the know. Go to triplewhale.com slash upgrowth and use promo code upgrowth for 15% off today. Now back to today's episode. I'm stealing that one, John. I'm stealing that one. I love that.
1: It is super, super hard to do. Imagine, I mean, you're an entrepreneur. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. We run into scenarios all the time now at our size where a customer is just flat out. It's just clear that they're taking advantage of the business. Right. Yeah. They're calling to us. They're lying about something that happened to their product. You you can you can sense it. And you kind of ask the customer, like, what do you want us to do? And it's like, well, I want you guys to pay for it or I want you guys to send me a new one or I want you guys to whatever. And, you know, what we've gotten really good at is, is asking the customer, is that really what you think is the right thing to do? If you were in my shoes, is that what you would do if you own this business? Would you send yourself a new one? And if they, can, if they can, with integrity, respond to that question with an affirmative, absolutely, that's what I would do we send them the new product for free.
0: Yeah, And we don't
1: even hesitate. We used to hesitate, but we don't anymore. We just do it. Yeah, And those customers become customers for life. Some of the hardest conversations, kind of the most blatant moments have have become some of the most loyal customers who still send me messages and say, I sold 15 solo stoves last month. I had all my friends over. Because those are also the most outspoken customers in the positive Mm. sense for your brand. So I would say, you know, if I could attribute anything to, to our growth. It is the way we've taken care of our customers and it, it impacts, it will impact your bottom line if you do it right. And you have to believe that the short-term losses generate long-term returns. And, uh, and that's how it's been for us. And, and um, you know, it's, it's created a 50% referral rate. 50% of our new business comes from
0: referrals. Incredible. That's incredible. At one of our, our brands uh, up here in Canada, we have this um, phrase for our customer service team that the customer isn't always right, but we will always say yes. And <laughs> that has made a massive difference, right? Because then you're not like, well, they're not right. They're not writing this. You know, we have, we've had people, you know, send in, uh, this is an apparel business, right? And they'll send in pictures of uh, a shirt with a massive ketchup stain and say it came like this. Like, well, obviously we didn't send out a shirt with a massive ketchup stain. We do internal fulfillment. We know we didn't do that, right? But it's like, absolutely, we'll send you whatever you need. We send it back to them. With the price point that we're at, we can afford to do that without having to ask them that extra question. But I love that extra question of, what would you do if you were in our shoes? Would you right. send yourself this? And it, you know, generally it's much easier than that. But if it gets, you
1: know, if it continues to escalate, you know, it'll get to that final stage. And, you know, ultimately we just, we want to treat customers the way they expect to be treated and believe that that platinum rule is one to live by as, as a business owner. And as you're willing to make, again, those short term, what we view as short term investments, those investments pay off dividends in the long term. Absolutely.
0: Question for you. You guys went public. Can you walk me through the decision making process of why you guys decided to do that? What that kind of means for you and your brands? Just walk me through that a little bit. You know, I'm sure that there's people on here thinking, oh, is that the right next move? I've had lots of conversations with people recently about this. So yeah. You know, being a direct-to-consumer business
1: is awesome. You know, you know that, you know, the the listeners know it too. The coolest thing about it is the one relationship with the customer. It's so great. Like, you know, their name and where they live and their phone number and their email, and you can communicate with them and survey them and ask them questions. One of the things that for us, as we continued to scale, that just felt like a bit of a disconnect is we wanted our customers to to be able to be shareholders. We wanted them to be able to participate. Mm. And the upside, our customers again are out there evangelizing and selling our product for us, and so why not allow them to be beneficiaries of you know what we're all building together and growing? And so uh, we started talking about potential IPO at the beginning of last year, and by October 28th was the exact day uh, we were uh, we were at the New York Stock Exchange ringing the bell.
0: Wow, wow, that must have been an incredible feeling as the the CEO to get to do that. What kind of headache has that put on your plate now? being public comparatively to before?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm probably estimate that I spend about 20% of my time now, you know, interacting with the public markets and or, you know, working on things associated with you know, earnings calls and, you know, quarterly reports and so on and so forth. But, you know, outside of that, in large part, it's business as usual for us. You know, some of the best advice I've gotten from other public company CEOs and board members has been to make sure that being public doesn't change how you operate your business. It's still mm. about whatever it was about, what got you here, what made you great and got you to a place to, to even be in a position to go public as, as a company is what you need to make sure, you know, you continue to execute on. And for us, it's been taking great care of the customer. So we've been laser focused on delivering for the customer, taking care of the customer, giving them a great experience, listening to the customer. I cannot tell you how important, you know, you get big and you start thinking you got to figure it out. And it's the biggest risk. We talk about it all the time with my management team. We are never going to get so egotistical, so big headed about our successes that we stop listening to the customer and what they have to tell mm. us about where we should be going, what we're doing wrong, and how we can fix it. So that's been a big focus for us. Just continuing to do what we do. I've got to do a little bit of of administrative, you know, stuff associated with making sure that you know we're doing a good job with awareness with public company, you know, public investors and,
0: and analysts. But other than that, it's it's business as usual. Awesome. John, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? Speed was so easy for me.
1: You know, speed's a dangerous thing in relationships because you've got to slow down. It took me a long time to figure that out. I used to just be speed at all costs in relationships going fast actually can end up damaging. But in everything else, I'm a big believer in speed. Speed to failure, you learn faster. You know, Speed to product development, you launch faster. And the list goes on. The faster you move, the more you accomplish. You also will fail more quickly. I even don't like using the word fail anymore. I actually had a good friend of mine coach me through this. When you move fast, it's not that you fail faster. It's actually that you succeed faster at learning what didn't work. And that is a success. I in love and, of that. It. So, and then you move on and, and you figure out what, what actually does work. So you get faster to figuring out what's not working and then you can go you can go move on. The thing about speed that I love the most is it's free. It costs you nothing. You entrepreneurs that are listening, that are thinking, "Man, I'm just I'm small, and how do I scale?" And man, it must be easy when you get to 360 million of revenue. You know, now you got all the cash in the world. We didn't always have a lot of cash. Yeah, we were always scrappy. We were always lean, but we didn't always have a ton of cash. But what we did do is we leveraged the stuff that we could that was free. And the one that I think is the by far the biggest differentiator and difference maker
0: in success is speed. John, I love that. I absolutely love that. That's going to be a massive takeaway for for me. I mean, really, guys, I do this podcast for me. It's, It's incredibly selfish. I get to talk to incredible CEOs and founders and get advice like this. So John, thank you for that one. That's great. I got three questions left for you. I hope that you're ready. All right, I'm ready. Fire away. Okay. Favorite tool or app that you're using right now? I've just recently kind of become a slacker.
1: My my team has like really gotten me into Slack, which is which is kind of a, a dumb one to use because everybody else has been on Slack for like five years. But uh, I'm really getting into Slack. We really like our platform. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to Big Commerce. I we've been on Big Commerce at Solo Stove. Oh, awesome! Since the beginning and they don't get as much love as some of the others that have come around as of late. So big shout out to to Big Commerce. I think it's an awesome platform uh, that can scale with businesses that are small but have big aspirations. Because because we did not need to switch away from that platform even when we started hitting nine figures, which is a huge hats off to, to the platform that they built.
0: Yeah, which unfortunately a lot of brands do have to leave Shopify at that point right? because of some of the limitations. So you guys know I love Shopify, but absolutely at that sort of scale, that makes a lot of sense. Hopefully that Shopify's not a sponsor here and I didn't just screw up your whole podcast, but, uh, but yeah. They anyway. actually have never sponsored. That's a great point. We should reach out to them and ask them why they're not sponsoring. If you've given them a lot of love, you definitely should be reaching out and saying, <laughs> hey. What the heck's going on here? Every other app on the Shopify ecosystem, though, has been a sponsor. So, uh... Uh, second question for you. Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? Can I just give you a book instead yes, of an audiobook? Absolutely.
1: I love grabbing a book and turning the pages. This is one of the best I've ever read. The Heart Ooh. of Business by Hubei Jolly, the former CEO, turnaround CEO of Best Buy. Incredible leadership book. Uh, if you are a leader of people and trying to, uh, you know, enhance your abilities or, or drive progress as a leader, I highly recommend it. It's called The Heart of Business. Um, one of the best I've ever read for sure a top three
0: awesome we will make sure that that uh, goes into the show notes and if you guys can see this right now I'm also making sure that I put that into my audible last question for you John a bit of a more difficult one if you could sit down with anybody you get an hour with them they have to be alive uh, and it can't be Elon Musk who would it be? it would be Hubei I actually
1: reached out to him on a whim after I read this book because I was so moved by it. And he was nice enough. He actually responded to my email. I was shocked and invited me uh, to come up to the Northeast to meet with him. So I'm going to make that dream a reality here pretty soon, but super excited
0: to uh, to meet him. That is so cool. Wow, that is amazing, John! Thanks so much for your time today. I know we didn't have a ton of time uh, to get this podcast down, and I am so glad that we ended up doing it. We rescheduled a few times, but we made this work. So, thanks so much for your time. Where can people connect with you and learn more about uh, solo brands?
1: Yeah, so on LinkedIn, you know, I'm it's just uh, John J o h n Maris M e r r i s. And, uh, you know, if, if anybody ever wants to reach out directly on email, specifically on LinkedIn, you know, I'll occasionally post some stuff, you know, thought, thought leadership stuff and things like that. On email, if, if you're wanting to engage in some dialogue, it's just john at solobrands.com.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, John. All right. You're welcome. Hey, guys. We hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So,